0: everybody hey everybody welcome 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 back to another episode of the bold women podcast we are so excited you are here my name is meryl wilson and i am here with my cohort co-host co-pilot maria weiler what's up everybody and uh we were just tuning in yep we are about to do part two today of um bridging the gap and so you may want to listen to part one so go do that first before and then come back, come right come back. back.
1: But come on in the room, let's chat. We are here with our good friends, Jacob Russell and Josh Young. Hello, welcome, guys. Thank you for coming back and joining us. We are so excited you're here!
0: Super excited! Excited to be you.
2: Yeah, nope, honored, honored. Thank you guys so much.
1: So we are continuing today the idea, like Meryl just said, go back and listen to part one, highly recommend it. But the idea and concept behind today's conversation with Josh and Jacob is this idea of bridging the gap. There's so many differences between men and women in our culture and our world today has done even more to try to drive wedges between that and um, to tear one another down, to split us apart, to you can name a list of those. So we just want to kind of try to, understand each other better and Josh and Jacob are so gracious, um, both in different walks of life, different phases of life, but they both just love Jesus and have so graciously come on the show to share their opinions and thoughts and experiences with us. So thank you guys so, so much. Yeah.
2: Thank you guys. Thank you guys. Honored. All thank right. you for having us. Of yay, course.
0: yeah yeah, yeah We're so happy. I'm this is just I'm I've been thinking about this topic for a long time. So we've been really excited about it. So
1: yeah. Well No pressure. No pressure, guys. (laughs) Don't mess up. No pressure. None. None at
0: all. Well, I think I think what I want to ask first to kind of get the ball rolling here is to talk about, let's see. Do we want okay. I should have asked this before. That's <laughs> okay. <laughs> what your thoughts are, Maria, but. No, that's um, right. I trust you. Go with it. Okay. Um. So, all right, let's see, Josh. So what are your thoughts on yep. um, women making the first move when it comes to expressing romantic interest? And before you answer, there's like, there's some content that's floating around that suggests that like women have been doing this for centuries and that men just aren't always picking up on it. So for example, there's mm-hmm. a relationship expert. You may or may not have heard of him. His name's Matthew Hussey. I don't oh. think I'm pronouncing his last name correctly.
2: Powerful last name.
0: <laughs> Hussey. Hussy. I don't know. It's H U S S E Y. Anyway, he's this English guy that um, talks about stuff. And he brought up, I, I heard this. He brought up like Victorian times where it was like, if a woman, like if there was like some kind of social engagement, like back then, like, all a woman really would do is she would actually be the one making the first move. It was never like a guy approaching her, but she would make the first move by like she would walk past him and like drop something of hers, like right in front of him. And then he would be like, Oh, here you like, drop this. your scarf. And she would be like, Oh, did I? And wasn't that like so bend
2: and snap and legally blonde? Yes. yes. Is, that the the is that the same move? Is <laughs> that the that's same move? Have you been doing that for move. years? God.
0: I mean, I've never been able to nail that. So <laughs> <laughs> me either. But, um, okay, so with that being said, um, you know, like, what are your thoughts? Do you agree with that? Or what is your perspective on that?
3: Oh, man. Okay. Um.
4: (laughs) Good luck. (laughs)
3: Yeah, I'll do my best. I'll say this. Like, um, I'm more traditional. And I think even just listening to what you're saying about that study what that sounds to me, it doesn't sound like making the first move. What that sounds to me is what one of my good friends likes to say, that women present and men pursue.
0: Ooh. Yep. Okay. So, okay, for, that's good.
3: For a woman to present herself, because you know we're I, I said earlier that men are simple. Sometimes we're too simple, like we don't see things. Sometimes we're blind. It, it can happen. And so, even with the study that you just said, that sounds like a presentation, which is fine. I think. The danger that comes in, if there is one, with women making the first move for romantic relationships, is that subconsciously she takes the lead. Mm. And I think if, that's, if that's the that if that foundation that you set this whole entire experience with that can turn into relationships that could go further is that she leaves, then I don't see when that changes. Mm. Maybe yeah. she leads an aspect, and so Not I think as a conversation. Not without a conversation. I think as a traditional um someone who thinks about this in a traditional way, I think it's important um that we are vigilant in that as men and we're able to see these women, even if they present themselves, but then we offer that pursuit. Um and that's just that's just how I move.
0: Good answer. Good answer. Oh, no, it's a good one. Jacob, <laughs> how did you make the first move with Amanda? Off the cuff, I didn't script that one.
2: How did I make the first <laughs> move with Amanda? Like, as far as dating, yeah. So we actually started dating in ninth grade.
0: You guys have been together longer than you've been single, right?
2: Um, officially half of our lives now. I'm 36, she's 37. That's so yeah, about uh, yeah, half of our lives. <laughs> I, t- I joked with her the other day. With as much work as she's put in, she'd be really mad if someone else got the payoff at this point. Yeah, and she she very passionately agreed. And it was <laughs> a bad joke on my job. Bad joke on my. <laughs> Um, i love her no i uh man i was i was i was a weird kid i i mean a lot of you talk about baggage coming into a relationship i had a lot of issues i should have dealt with before we got married but i mean i was i'm not i wasn't a confident person i was actually interested in her friend um oh, okay because i had thought i had no shot at her out of my league um, and then she and i hit it off the weird part my older brother and her older sister were like Best friends, like it was my older brother, his best friend Frank and Jennifer, and then you know wider than that. But those three were super close, like traveled together, hung out. Oh, cool! So we knew of each other, but we had never met each other until ninth grade. Um, and it's kind of one of the. I mean, you, you talk about like strengths and weaknesses, and like those couples who could not be more opposite, but somehow it works, and they're mm-hmm. like a perfect fit. Like that's mm-hmm. that's me and Amanda. And I think we found each other and and it's repeated throughout life at a time when we've needed it most where I can, she gets me to calm down and think and and gives me strength and like makes me the best version of me and puts up with nothing less. Um, And then I think I get her to to loosen up a little at times and just have a little more fun and be silly and goofy and she's funny and take, Oh, she's hilarious. She's She's just, she stays, she's so introverted. She's just, she's a, She's afraid she's not reacting right or her humor is just off or something. I'm like, yeah, no, you're she's absolutely my spirit animal. hilarious. <laughs> she's the best. Um, so if I'm honest, it's probably something I, I passively hinted that I was interested and in hope I got a response that would give me a little tiny piece of confidence to pursue. Well, uh, it worked. The, the first date we ever went on, I do remember we went and saw Zoolander. So, <laughs>
4: well, I'll, so I'll
2: never forget that being the first date. We went and saw We went and saw Zoolander. So that movie has a special place in my heart. Um, What is this? A school for ants? has to be at least three (laughs) times this size. Yeah, no. I mean, and then we broke up. We did it all a sophomore year, broke up, um, going into junior year. And and her mom was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and, and she dealt with that. And her mom passed away right after senior year. She was with the guy at the time lost her mom, her everything. Her dad had already passed at that point. Um, she has a stepdad who is her dad. And so don't, I'm not trying to make it sound like she had no one, but her mom was her person. Anyone yeah. who knows Amanda knows mm-hmm. her mom was her person. Uh, so she just up and moved to Florida, just left randomly. And throughout junior and senior year, I know this sounds bad. Me and Amanda, we would still hang out. We'd get a hold of each other. Even if we weren't together, like we, we kept tabs on each other, right? Like, yeah, we always knew there was something about each other, even if we couldn't get along well enough at the time to, to be with each other. Um, but then just to wrap, like to put a a bow on it, she went to Florida, figured out some life, figured out some things, had her own issues. That's when I was in college. And I mean, that's a whole nother thing for the stuff I went through, but, um, she hit me up randomly one day and was like, Hey, are you seeing anyone? I was like, no, Why? She was like, well, I'm going to visit into town and I'd love to catch up. She's like, it's been a couple of years. Just, you know, would you want to hang out? So we met at Buffalo Wild Wings um, and hung out. And when I say we hit it off, like we hadn't missed a beat. Oh, I mean, awesome. we sat there and talked for like two and a half, three hours, ended up hanging out, um, went out night. I don't remember what we did, just went and enjoyed each other's company. And so a couple of months later, she hit me up and she was like, well, what, what would you think if I said I was going to move back? And I was like, oh, you don't need to move back for me. And she's like, that's not at all what I said. I wouldn't do that. <laughs> She's like, what I'm, what I'm saying is, if I were to come back, you think that'd be cool? And I was like, yeah.
0: It's not for you, no. bro.
2: Yeah, I think I'm that, coming back because I want to. If, if you come back, are we together? Or are we like together if you come back? No. Okay. Oh I mean, I think it'd still be cool if you came back, though. Yeah, that'd be cool. So she came back, and she was here a couple months before she finally... I guess she was still harboring hurt for me breaking up with her, Okay, I guess. Yeah. That's what she said. But no, we've basically been together ever since. And we dated for about five, six months when she came back. And I mean, I knew, I knew, I knew, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt. Um, so I just love that. And we got married shortly after and we've been together ever since. And uh, that's funny, that three-year gap of us not being together and experiencing life is... It's what you got to work through on that next thirteen the, years on of the, the marriage. Back end and of the, it all. Yeah, yeah, like those conflict resolutions. Like she went and had her own hurt and stuff, and and I mean I yeah. fell off with with some addiction issues and 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 caught a charge, and you know had a lot of uh, emotional issues on that end that I should have dealt with you know ahead of of bringing. Um, another person along for the ride, but praise God for grace and the right spouse and yeah, yeah, and, for sure. And and someone who I mean, this day and age, it sounds cheesy to say, but even in the church, praise God for someone who who takes covenant serious.
4: Yeah, yeah,
2: it's so good. Like that, that still means something, and it's not just because because I'll be honest, there's different times where it'd be a lot easier for either of us to just walk away, and it's like that in marriage. Like the pain of restarting seems easier than acknowledging and dealing with your own issues, right? But the grass is never greener if you don't know how to tend a lawn. So right. it's it, you're gonna kill it anywhere you go. So, Preach it. So but, good. So yeah, no, that's all that to say. I don't know why I went there, but I don't I know. I was it. terrified. Yeah. I had to make I sure so I had to make sure she wanted me before I made the move. <laughs> Dadgum it.
3: That's there. <fair>. That's fair. <laughs>
2: <laughs> So back to Josh's thing about presenting. Yes, one hundred percent women. Hey, you please. we need that. Don't Who? feel bad.
1: Who was it that you and I were talking yeah. about where we're like Oh, they were talking about, or they are comparing women to like men hunting deer. It's going to sound real weird, but hear <laughs> oh me out. Oh my <laughs> Lord.
2: This has That's to be right, an Iowa yes. thing. This is an Iowa thing.
1: Oh, okay. Well, okay, Jacob. Okay, Oklahoma.
2: Boomer sooner.
3: Okay. Wow. Okay. Wow.
1: Shut
2: <laughs> up. I'm on both sides of that. So. Yeah, Josh,
1: <laughs> Josh, pick a side. Come on.
2: His blood is crimson. <laughs> he <laughs> he goes first. No.
0: That guy bleeds blue. Okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay okay but they said that okay i'm gonna butcher this i absolutely am i can't remember where i heard it from oh so this is starting off good it's starting right. off great um but it was basically like <laughs> comparing women to deer and like men out deer hunting where they're like women you can snap a twig and let them know you're there but like don't go hunt after him like don't like run around and be like hey i'm here i'm here mm-hmm. but like you can snap a couple twigs and that was Dude, early whatnot.
0: that was very early dating advice for me when I decided before I even thought to ask God if I should be dating. <laughs> you, were, oh. you told me that story. And I was like, Maria, I've been out here snapping twigs <laughs> right and left.
2: <laughs> no. Well, I I'm, I'm sure it's changed a lot, but at some point, if it's too much, you assume she's snapping twigs for everybody. Uh,
1: yeah. 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 I I don't mean, just go right? snap like, twigs for everybody. Oh, no, I was like, like hey. Hey.
0: yeah. I had a time period where I was in the upside down and yeah. We all know I bring it up a lot. But that was a strange time.
1: (laughs) She's out of it now. I'm out of it. Thank God. God. Thank God. God.
2: Oh, we we uh, you get have stories for days. I'm sure.
3: But um, I don't know how this is gonna sound, but I'm gonna say it.
1: Say
2: it. it. (laughs) Let's hear it. Just say it.
3: I I this is just me. I feel like yes, they um, present yourself to pursue from the man, but I feel like if a girl presents herself so many times to me it's almost disrespectful to me like i saw you i, I don't i don't know if that makes sense you know no, like it does that's good i think i think in the age that we're in right now it's easy to think like oh he just doesn't pay attention he's just in his own world because most honestly a lot of people are yeah. you know and so I, I guess you really have to understand who you're dealing with but mm-hmm. me i'm just like and it happens sometimes when someone like will present himself over and over i'm like, yo, I. I saw the presentation on the first time. Um, and let let me to get my with, life
4: together Yeah. <laughs> you know,
3: mm-hmm. I, I did, that is important because i'm I'm also really respectful too. you know, I think that's important. You treat people with dignity and with respect, um, but learning how to deal with those situations is also important, I think, so that you don't so you don't give off the wrong um, like the wrong vibe, like hey, uh, I'm here for this. I think it's also important to be honest in those type of like um,
0: situations. Yeah, yeah, that's good. It
2: goes back to what you said earlier. It's fighting for the lead. If you if you present too much, I mean, are you you're basically mm-hmm. you're you're taking that first step of not just you're taking the step to court at that point beyond just you know presenting or letting them know you're interested. Mm-hmm. If you continue to do it, I mean, that would. Yeah, that's how I feel like it would be to me is a little not emasculating, not to that extent, but it would be like, all right, like, if I do it at this point, it just seems odd, right? Like, too easy, because a man wants to chase, we're hunters, like, yeah, so you, my you still got shoot, yeah. shoot the deer, you still well, got to shoot the deer, if you yeah, know what's yeah. there, you still have to have aim, there's still skill, 100. you still feel good when you get it. Yeah. It's not like it's a canned 100. deer.
1: Yeah, what were you saying, Josh? Sorry, I think it cut out a little bit.
3: Oh, no, I was just saying 100% I was agreeing with Jacob, you know, and it's but it's also, it's understandable I think in, in the society that we've created you know, like it really is um, we've kind of switched from who is leading and who's not leading and who's taking the first step and who's not taking the first step and if you're on Instagram or TikTok and you listen to the advice given to these young people and especially single people, and it's it's really counterintuitive mm-hmm.
4: to so
3: I think what genuinely want is the love and the joy and the happiness and a sustainable relationship. And if you listen to most or a lot of the advice that's being given to the generation, it's not that. Mm
4: -hmm.
0: Yeah, for sure. And we've had, and I think that that's been, that whole issue has been compounded with like dating apps and social media and stuff. And like, I mean, people are, I mean, you were saying Jacob, like, you know, the grass is greener or whatever. And it's like, people are a commodity. Like it's,
2: it is honestly
0: like normal human beings day to day, like single people are treating each other as though they would, as, as though somebody would a prostitute. Like, mm. I mean, really, if you look at it like that, it's like human beings are really nothing. It's just, what can you do for me in this moment? And um, you know, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll rush some quick intimacy for a second or give mm-hmm. you, so I'll tell you payoff. I'll overshare mm-hmm. something with you and so that I can get what I want in the end or whatever. And, um, you know, or I'll get on a dating app and I'll just, cause I had nothing to do tonight. I'm I'm spending a night in, so I'm just going to swipe some names, start some conversations and, uh, you know, not, not really take anything into account in terms of the people on the other so end, whether the they genuinely side. want mm-hmm. a relationship or mm-hmm. not, because I'm just,
1: you know, out for myself or whatever. So I think there's this deep, and tell me what you guys think about it, that especially in our culture now um, and the further culture, unfortunately is going away from Christ, like just Mm -hmm. the way things are tend to be going that there is this deep, longing for like intimacy and being known. So if we can, yeah. and I think that sometimes like, like the longing so much for relationship and trying to like fight boredom with it and yeah. is finding maybe the better word is identity. Like, okay, I know that I am of value if I can even get this person, even if it's for one night or if I can um, be seductive in some XYZ type of way. And like, it's almost like a stat board. Like we're treating people like stat boards of like, well, give me, give me your stats. Who have you been with? Who have you like, what are your so like, accomplishments? The back of a baseball yeah, card. Um, yeah. What are your accomplishments? And notch on a belt. Yeah. I, th-
2: I think that's because people are finding their value and how they feel in the moment. Mm-hmm. You know, I think if you look broader about beyond that, I think society in general, we're so desensitized that not only because we're living to feel better in the moment, not only are, are we not serving other people, right? Like living for other people and, and genuinely doing things for the good of other people, but we're also not allowing people to to serve and bless us. Like I got a pastor told me early on, one of the worst things you can do is be a hindrance to someone else's ability to be a blessing. If God's asking somebody to be obedient and you're like, I don't want that blessing, mm-hmm. even though it helped you, it's just your pride saying no, but you won't, you won't allow them to be a blessing to you because your pride won't receive it. Then that's like a double whammy. That's on you and them. That person's trying to be a blessing, I think yeah. if you go all the way back to the feminist movement, duh, you can open your own car door. Duh, you can pull your own chair back.
0: I get so upset now if um But like
2: I I, I wanna serve you. I wanna serve yeah, you're yeah. special to me. Let me serve you. And I think so so many women, especially and men on the other side, they find it demeaning to be served. And every time you find that demeaning to be served, you're just you're further away from another human. Like yeah. and, and everyone's just so self-secluded yeah. now, like um, I'm gonna do what makes me feel good. I don't care about you. Um, why are you doing that? I'm not gonna let that feel good for me because you did it, not me. Mm-hmm. Like it's just people. They're, they're combative towards community, and it's just it's it's weird to me. And I have to battle it too. And I'm a people person. Like I vibe with people. That's my energy. I would like when the pandemic hit and they told everyone to go inside. Like I was driving around on the highway with my windows down, like a dog head out the door, like just to find people. Like hey, like I I need people like that. But even <laughs> then, I find myself. <laughs> I find myself doing the same thing where I just, you become a skeptic towards people's intentions. Yeah. And then the easiest way in your mind is to make yourself feel better by any means necessary. Yeah. You know, rather than doing anything for anyone else.
1: Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. And this is, um, Jacob, you kind of touched on it, um, about like going back to femininity. So I kind of want to touch on something and it's, It might be a little for those of you who are listening, hang on with us because part of the reason with this podcast is we buckle up. We want to talk about tough topics. And so um, this is for, for either of you. Toxic masculinity is a phrase that's been thrown around a lot over the past few years in the wake of the Me Too movement. For those of who aren't familiar, toxic maxi- i am tongue tied. Okay. Toxic masculinity <laughs> refers to the worst aspects of stereotypically masculine attributes and is represented by qualities such as violence, dominance, emotional illiteracy, sexual entitlement, and hostility to femininity. Some examples of this would be to tell young boys to "quote unquote" man up if they feel upset, or as a way to justify abusive behavior and/or inappropriate behavior with the phrase "Oh, boys will be boys." It goes on to give examples of traits of this, such as unconditional physical toughness, physical aggression, or fear of emotions, discrimination against people who aren't heterosexual, hyper independence, sexual aggression, or violence and anti-feminist behavior. Yeah. So it's all, it's a a whole, whole (laughs) ordeal. What do you guys think about this concept and how do you think this has impacted the way men and women relate to one another now? Mm. Who wants to take that? Who wants to take a stab at that?
2: I'll get the conversation started. Okay. (laughs) Okay. I think (laughs) some of it, and this is just coming from my own experience and research and counseling and and trying to be a better husband myself. But, you know, I told you earlier, my, my word for 2023 is stewardship. And I think men in general, and you could expand it beyond to the church, have not stewarded the leadership role In society as men very well. And when you do not steward something well, that you're called to steward, not just an opportunity, but you're calling men are called to lead. And if you don't steward something you're called to lead. And I'm talking like as a, as a broad group, like the church or men, it it creates a power vacuum. Yeah. And when you create a power vacuum in disobedience, the devil's going to fill that void with something that, on the surface, looks good because he provides counterfeit solutions to everything. Yep. Yeah. And I could go through some alphabet soup and point some stuff out in the last few years where where something that appeared genuine and beautiful on the outside was broken and self serving on the inside, and the only reason it had a shot was because of the power vacuum created by disobedience, a, a void that should have been filled by the church or believers.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And so if you want me to get super broad in, and I think not all of it, but I think a lot of it comes down to men's bad stewardship of the leadership position, because, I mean, look at the president of the United States, men are what you see everywhere. Every single president over the last, how many years has had follies and issues and screw ups and it's on a public national stage. And then that trust has just broken more and more and more between men and women in general. Mm hmm. And so if women can't trust men, what's the point in a man being a leader? And if a man's not leading and he's not fulfilling his calling, then he's not fulfilled. And then he's emasculated. And if you're tucking your tail, you're not leading. And I think it just becomes that cyclical cycle that there's no way out of until men just suck it up, do what needs to be done. Don't wait to feel better. Don't wait to get patted on the back and just start leading the way they need to. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we're to a point in society where that's that's kind of what you're seeing is there's a lack of leadership down to the down to the point that we have now gen, blended gender roles, uh, not just blended them, but we've all, all labeled them and put them in a box. If you're a girl who dresses like a boy and you like sports, you're gay. Don't yeah. tell me you're not. You fit the box. You're gay. Well, it provides a lot of people an identity because they don't have one otherwise. They mm-hmm. should know they're a new creation. They're a child of Christ. Their identity is not in in what they're wearing, what they like, what their talents are, what their skills are. Mm -hmm. Their identity is who they are. But, but society will tell you because you check these boxes that that's what you are. And if you have no identity to fall back on, what feels good to be accepted in this box. Right? Like it's better than not having any friends. At least I know if I check all these boxes within this group, I feel good.
1: Or I'll have a community that's around me that accepts me, that loves me. Exactly.
2: And it's not a one size fits all, but I mean, that's just, I mean, I think some responsibility falls back on on men to be better leaders, and I think we need better godly examples of men and media and broadcast out. Um, yep, that, that's just a, a starting point to it.
0: Right. Gosh, Byron. Byron right now. <laughs> <laughs> and all the women said amen. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and this is not me on a soapbox y'all I am learning every day ask my wife like it's it's I'm not coming from a position like I do it I'm learning every single day but mm-hmm. but being open to see where I can improve has allowed me to, to see broader patterns and pictures that just it's it's so much bigger and I think that's why we share our stories and we don't do life alone because again we're all going through it right we all are so right
3: yeah um well I would say that I agree with Jacob. Um, I think God has positioned men um, to be leaders. And when we don't do what God has called us to do, it can create chaos. It can create confusion. And I think we see that in our society. But specifically talking about toxic masculinity, mm-hmm. my sentiment is that I think it's irresponsible to connect those two or. And, and then, the reason that I think, the reason I think it's irresponsible to connect those two words, because someone who is abusive, whether it's verbally, physically, over aggressive, um, these are the type of traits of someone who is dealing in toxicity. Mm-hmm. If mm-hmm. we just talk yeah. about all the things that you just laid out in that list, where you said they do this, they do this, they do this, they do this, we could just call that toxic without using the word masculine.
2: Those are not masculine right. traits. That's so good. Those are not. Those yeah, those that's,
3: are toxic. That's traits.
2: good. That's good. That's so good. Regardless gosh.
3: of regardless of which side we fall on, those are toxic traits. And so to now make the connection between toxicity and masculinity, now we have a whole generation of young men who are shying away from being a man and being quote unquote masculine because it's also attached to this term toxic. Toxic. Yep. Yes. And I think I think it's affecting our society, it's affecting our culture so negatively right now. And there's a word that I think all of you have brought up at some point in this talk and it's identity, really understanding who you are. The reason that you have to understand who you are is because it sets the foundation for you understanding who you can be.
2: That's good. The
3: clarity of your is the thing that sets the path for the clarity of your potential. I'm not a person who likes cats. I've never liked
2: cats. (laughs) I, Did you I just say you dogs. don't like
3: cats? I don't really like cats. Listen. What's Yay! Drake's, what's Drake's yeah.
2: mascot? You guys are Bulldogs, right?
3: Bulldogs. Exactly.
2: Hey, bulldog. listen.
0: Everyone everyone on this everyone on this podcast right now except for Byron is a dog person. Go dogs so, though. Literally. Literally. <laughs> literally. Sorry, okay, I just it's keep going. Squirrel. <laughs>
3: well but what I was saying is that the reason that like the specificity of your identity is so important is because if I was like, hey, you, all three of you guys, you're invited to my house. I, I've got a feline at my house. Well, that's a whole family of cats, right? That could, that could be anything.
4: Yeah. The
3: difference between telling you that I have a baby cat at my house and I have a baby lion at my house is a big difference. Mm-hmm. The difference doesn't come necessarily in what we are today. There's obviously differences in today. But the real power shows up in who we can become in the future. One is going to be a domesticated house animal. The other one's going to be the king of the jungle. And we've got people who are walking around without any clarity of their identity, not understanding the power that can come and the potential of who they are, because they don't know who they are today. And so it doesn't set a precedent for who they can be tomorrow. So when we start shying people away from what God has put in us, especially as young men, because everything rises and falls with leadership, everything. Mm -hmm. Leadership is influence, leaders lead, and we need the young men of just not this country, but of the entire world to really step up in it. And so when I start hearing words like toxic masculinity, I think it's so counterintuitive to producing a culture that leads its people properly. It's it's counterintuitive to a culture that leads according to how God leads us. And so I think it's irresponsible to connect those two words.
0: That's That's my good. That made me shudder to type it out. (laughs) I know. I I was like, oh, no. Well, um, so, okay. So since you say all that, um, there's also the idea of course, and you kind of touched on this a little bit, Josh, but it was like, um, that toxic max masculinity has pushed men to be more feminine and by feminine. I also mean I, okay. So I kind of take issue with this a little bit because, um, I, I, th- people come up with a checklist of what it means to be feminine. And so it's mm-hmm. like a man who's in touch with his emotions, a man who isn't, um, isn't, isn't intimidated by expressing emotion. Somehow that makes them more feminine, but also at the same time, I, it, it also leads to like what you're saying, I think, which was like, I think it's the whole leadership thing and the identity thing in it. But I, it bothers me that people say like men, be men are now more feminine because It's like, you guys can't, you guys are on like a lose-lose type Mm -hmm. of situation right now. It's like, you can't be too masculine because if you're too masculine, then um, all you're going to do is produce a bunch of like women hating type of men in this country, Mm -hmm. but then also you can't be too feminine either, because if you express emotion, then... Um, the world will then, label you. Then yeah. you're too dainty, and no woman's going to want you because you're
2: too soft. But that goes back to what Josh said in the beginning, is it starts in the home.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: It has to start in the home. Yeah. And And that's why the family dynamic and the family construct given to us by Scripture is so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so important, because... If you assume any educations happening outside your walls, assume it's wrong, mm-hmm, like yeah. whatever they're teaching. I don't think you can assume inta- anymore to be anything positive once it's outside of your house. And so I think that that active role of a parent becomes so much more vital and, and crucial to those relationships as to what a man is, because it's not, it's not traits like Josh said, that it's not traits. That's not what makes a man. It's the leadership position and and the legacy and what they're doing with the family and where they're taking their family. It's not if they would rather plant a garden or throw a fastball. Mm-hmm. Well, you know what I mean. Like that, who cares about that? It's about what they're what they're doing with the opportunity and calling on their life. And I think the easiest way to see a calling lived out in a way that could be replicated is when you focus on legacy, and it starts in the home.
1: Yeah, yeah that's so, so good. I think- yeah. I think. Oh, go ahead,
3: Josh. I know I was just going to say I think I think it's important because when you start talking about what is the definition of a man? Well, then you get a lot of different, I I think, um, debates about how then we could be talking about how a man is socially constructed and how a woman is socially constructed. And that's, that's so far in the left field. But I do also agree with your point in saying, like, what do these things actually mean when we say that? research actually is telling us that we have the most effeminate group of men in the history of the world that's what the Amazing. data is telling us right now and you're saying like but what does that actually mean because i think in order to really be a man i think you need to have a high emotional quotient mm-hmm. i think you need to be emotionally intelligent you know and so how are we actually defining these things what are the things that are being taught to us about them and it's one of the things that we see, you know, as as young women when you're when you're younger, I think it's one of the reasons that young ladies develop faster than men. is because they understand the spectrum of emotions earlier in life and are allowed to express them. And we typically just suppress those things as young boys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's anger and frustration and things like that. Well, when you get older you understand that doesn't serve you very well. Mm-hmm. And I think that you walk in the leadership role that God is calling you to be, and have this high emotional quotient. For example, I don't think it's, it's, it's one or the other. I think it's both and. And so, understanding what that looks like from a healthy perspective—that's really what we where we have to get to—is like, what is this from a healthy perspective? And if God gave me this, then what does God require of me? Because if Amen. He gives me emotions, there's a purpose behind it. Yep. God doesn't create anything without purpose included in it. It's embedded in it. So if God gave it to me, then what is the purpose that he's defined for? And I think those things are what move us closer to the person that we're supposed to become and move us to a healthier uh, flourishing society.
0: Yeah, that's so good. Well, you were kind of touching on this, but like um, with regard to, you know, you guys, like men just in general being raised to suppress emotion and things like that you know, I mean, that can be, that can be helpful in situations, but, um, I think that ultimately sometimes, especially when it comes to the way that men relate to and with women, um, that that can be harmful to those types of relationships, just in the sense that it's like, if you're, if you were raised or whatever, your entire life to just not express emotion, that, that emotion equals weakness, or, you know, I mean, I, I kind of had some of that just in my own, like growing up, um, just with certain life experiences or whatever, just, you know, as a woman, I was like, well, I'm not going to be a super emotional person Amanda as well. I don't want to be known as somebody who cannot control herself. So therefore I'm going to suppress everything. Mm-hmm. And, and the only ex- emotions you'll see from me are usually going to be like, the anger, ones I allow you to see anger or ones that I want you to see. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so, um, but, I wanted to get your guys's takes on, you know, like what your experiences have been with that in terms of like what's been modeled to you with regard to expressing your emotions and like what challenges, um, either one of you have faced, um, and how you're working on that. If that's something that you are like struggling with or have struggled with before.
2: Oh, that'll make it. Yeah, dude, that'll get real. So, <laughs> um, I am, I'm diagnosed. ADD was diagnosed ADHD early on in life. Um, and I do go to counseling now. I wish I had started early on, uh, much earlier in life. Um, but, but praise God, I came from a home. My dad did not show emotion and I was kind of raised in a different way to bottle it up and to do that. Um, but I think my, my diagnosis and dynamic, um, opened both my parents' eyes to, to think outside the box a little bit. Um, so I, I, while I just recently started going to counseling, it, it, they were always open and looking for solutions to allow me to find an outlet or rather than just accept whatever they're told is stated as normal. Like they refused to put me on meds and they refused to, to pull me out of certain things. And you know, I was called a distraction and, and it developed its own identity within myself to get back to that word. Um, but praise God, I had parents who never gave up on me. And, and even if my dad didn't model it, um, rest in peace. I miss you, dad. I love you. Um, he provided an environment in a safe place where I could discover and pursue my own emotions in my own way and never forced me to put them inside of a box or, or tell me this is how men deal with it or this is what you do in this situation he would always allow me that outlet and then coach me through and then figure out what worked best for me. Now, this is later in life as an adult, obviously mm-hmm. um, what I witnessed in the home and what was raised to see was, you know, to bottle it up and, and to control it. But I think it was a good example of my dad continuing to grow and develop as well to where he was a different man who, had, who knew what his son needed at a different time mm-hmm. and stepped up and created an environment where I could pursue that to become the best version of myself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it, I think it kind of grows and changes, but in my situation, um, I've been really fortunate on that end. And then it's some part of my share, my story. I try to share with, with everyone else. Cause I know I'm not for everyone and I can be a handful. Uh, but I just try to encourage other parents who, who may be in a similar situation, who have a kid, like I turned out all right. And it's because of my parents, it's nothing in school. It's nothing in life. It was nothing else. Um, I turned out all right because of my parents and them not giving up on me and creating a space where I could do that.
0: Yeah. That's good. That's good. And that's
3: good. I, um, yeah, man, growing up, I didn't really have a model for what it looked like, um, to properly manage emotions. Mm-hmm. Like, as, as a young black boy growing up in Lawton, Oklahoma, <laughs> I pretty much
2: <laughs> that's loaded. Three
3: that's- emotions. Yeah. I was pretty much dealing in like three emotions, you know, all negative and, Everything else was just like it's like how most of us deal with our pains, our traumas, you know, our rejections. A lot of times, what we do is we suppress, we ignore, we bury. Mm -hmm. And the problem with not dealing with things like that is that anything that you bury alive doesn't die. Amen. It just to the surface.
4: Yeah, that's good. That's good.
3: What you find out is that later on in your life, you're still dealing. With the suppression of those emotions from the time that you were a child, and then something comes up and they call it a trigger, and it will trigger the memory of that emotion and will bring it back to the surface.
2: Ooh, but don't because let somebody call death. it a trigger in the moment.
3: And don't let don't let someone call it a trigger in the moment.
1: <laughs> Are you triggered right now? <laughs> that that and phrase.
3: So we have we have these things, and I I witnessed them firsthand. Um, you know, we all go through it. But for me, what it looked like was doing my own research. I didn't even know that I needed to work on myself in that way. Like, it wasn't until I started being exposed to different people and information and and communities where I was like, hey, this is a part of me that I've never even like sold into. Mm-hmm. I started reading books. Um, I wrote, read a book by Stephanie Dallas, who's a German um, author, The Child and You. He was talking about like your inner child, your shadow child and your son child and all these things. And I started to be like, I wonder if this is, you know, kind of part of my story. And and it was. And then I would start reaching back into my past and, and thinking of some of the things that made me feel certain ways. And it just turned into like a roller coaster. I was doing mm-hmm. like some worksheets, um, <laughs> doing like some therapy through that. And it was such a roller coaster of emotions and I realized like they're buried. Yeah, either buried. So I went on the journey of, of uncovering all those things and and working through healing because you know the root of healthy is heal and you can't be healthy if you don't heal.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. I
3: knew that was that was a big part of it. And uh, now it's a it's part of my message to other people, to the kids, like being able to understand that God gives you these emotions and having emotions and feeling emotions. There's nothing wrong with it. But just like Jacob's been saying the whole time, stewardship is so important. How do I manage what God gave me? And so that's been my journey. It's just how do I manage these things properly? And it doesn't matter if I'm a young boy or a young girl, if I'm a, if I'm a man or if I'm a woman. God gives me emotions. I need to understand how am I to manage these emotions and what's the purpose behind them. So that's been my journey with it. And it's, it's still a process. You know, it's still a process, but it's I'm so grateful for where I've come from where I was
0: so good yeah I love
2: that and you had the you had the cool benefit of being at such a young age and then going to live in a completely new culture you know what I mean like you had no choice but to immerse yourself and that has to force a a 21 22 year old into a different thought process into a different box yeah you have no choice man like I'm sure that was unique but probably a, a a blessing to be able to put the piece, the puzzle together. You know what I mean?
3: Yeah. Yeah. You know, because you learn so much about yourself, you know, like what happens is we're in similar environments for so long and then you shift your environment and, and it starts to change how you see things. So I, I grew up in America. Everything was like America dominated for me. And then I go to Europe. I spent 12 years living mm-hmm. in Europe where they have a different culture. They have a different way of thinking. They have a different lifestyle. They have a different pace of life.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And it, it just rounded me out. Let's say I was like a box. And then I just started like rounding off those mm-hmm. corners a little bit and knocking off each corner every the year. Uh, And it's a really cool thing. But one of the things that I learned, not just from that, but just from life in general, is that. You've got to be careful of the things that you believe and that you come into agreement with. Yeah. It's People will say speak words over your life, when you're even when you're a kid, that you don't realize is still running your life today.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And problem is when you come into agreement with these things and they fester for long enough under that surface, those things that fester long enough under the surface become part of your belief system.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: And your belief system drives your behavior. That's why it's so dangerous to let those things be buried without dealing with them. One hundred
2: percent. Because
0: now it becomes. Yeah. I was just agreeing with you. Said one hundred percent. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I think Pastor Robert Morris says the devil, the devil, the devil gains no power in your life until the moment you believe a lie.
4: Mm-hmm. Yep.
2: That's Wonder, that's yeah. where we give up dominion, right? Because we, yeah. we're to walk in authority the moment we we believe a lie and accept less than. And like Josh said, take it to heart and then base our thought process off of it. Um. Yeah. No. And, that's that's good. That's really good, man.
0: Most of the time. Like I believe most of the time you can pinpoint exactly when that happened too.
2: if you do it early and on yep. early enough, if you bury it, it's so much harder to dig it out later. Yeah. Like it's, it's like Josh was talking about having to find thoughts of when he was a kid and like unpack those thought like, processes oh, wow. and how'd I get here? And yeah. the longer you wait to acknowledge some of that, the harder it is to find the root or you'll find multiple roots at that point. And then you'll dig up one and be like, crap, I thought I got rid of this. Like bitterness is like that again, just being personal. That's what I'm dealing with. I've had a really rough last couple of years and I didn't handle it the way I should have. Maybe on the surface I did. And there's times I did in some areas I did, but there's a lot of other ones I, I did not And I didn't realize it till after the fact, till I I became a person like within the last couple of months looking in the mirror, like I am not comfortable with who I am and I'm not who I was. Yeah. And that's when I started digging in on the stewardship thing and and Mm then the bitterness. And I mean, so, you know, that's, that's trust to me. You want to acknowledge it. You want to be willing to acknowledge it and dig it out earlier and have that place to be able to do that.
1: Well, and I think one of the big tactics, as you were mentioning, like believing lies that the enemy uses and for those who are listening where it's like well what if it seems really true or like well it appears true like it's not a lie and i think one of the ways and the tactics that the enemy can tend to work is he can tend to take partial truths or things that appear to be true and then to confirm that and to like use it to confirm it Mm -hmm. or distort it or just or twist Mm it uh and like one of the names for the enemy is he's a deceiver so it's he's he's very very good at taking something that might look like, well, or like, let me give you some, some evidence of this. Like, yeah, you, you are X, Y, Z, yep, um, because of this. And it's one of those things that's like, okay, well that, that is there. So maybe it's, so that's I think like that's
2: checking the societal boxes, checking the societal that's why, boxes, that's why it makes sense for some people. Yeah. Like it just, it, you buy the lie. You
1: buy the lie, and I think that's why, um, just as believers, especially, it's so vital to like get in the word, to know the word, because that's unchanging. Like the culture's not going to change that. Yeah. Um, it God, changes you.
2: Godly community.
1: Godly community. You say you, it from the back. I don't. Jacob.
2: I don't care. You can read the Bible cover to cover every month if you're doing it by yourself. You're mm-hmm. not. You're not doing it right.
0: Yeah, dude. Prodigal child, Like, go child plug right into here. a
2: church. Same, man. I got, dude. I got nicknamed the prodigal son. Like, at, at the trap house I was going to, I'm like, you guys are making me extremely uncomfortable for what we're about to do. No mm-hmm. idea why, but they always said there was something weird about me. It's different, and so jokingly nicknamed me that. Like,
1: yeah. how dare you? You're like, don't call me that. Can I, uh, yeah, go for it.
3: I was saying I know we want to get to a couple more things, but. It uh, just made me think about how this all really ties in full circle about what's festering underneath, because as it pertains to like what we're talking about, men and women in the relationships that we have. And then it doesn't just have to be romantic relationships. It can be any relationship. So if you think about a tree, you've got the part that you see that stands above ground and then you have the roots that are very deep enough to be able to hold that tree up and if you think about how it pertains to our life our actions our behaviors those are things that we can see that's the tree above the ground but it's the belief and identity that's the root of the problem and so the reason I say that behavior modification doesn't work is because behavior modification just cuts off branches Mm -hmm. thinking that we're going to get a whole tree but unless we actually dig up the root Mm -hmm. which is the belief that's tied behind the behavior and the action we're always going to get similar results. So yeah, I changed my girlfriend, similar result. I, mm-hmm. I changed it again, similar result. So I changed this relationship, similar result, because the belief that's attached to the behavior
4: oh, yeah. doesn't mm-hmm. change. And so
3: these, these self-help books and all these things are great, but if we don't get to the root of that, and this is where God is so important, because God is the one that gives us our identity. Mm-hmm. He's the one that establishes the things that we should be believing. And when we take him out of these things, it really creates, such a terrible environment for us to grow in our behaviors and our actions. And I think that's really what's causing this risk in everything that we're seeing right now is that we've removed God out of the communion between one another.
4: Yeah.
2: That's good. Ugh, so good. That's so good. So
0: good. I'm over here, emphatically nodding my head. I know. We're, <laughs> we're like, so
1: like yes, God, yeah, that's, you're spot on.
2: Uh, I mean, even a new rhythm and routine will build momentum, but momentum's still based on emotion as well. Mm-hmm, I mean, at yeah. some point, that momentum's going to fade, and if your if your thought process hasn't changed, you're right back at square one. Oh, yep, yeah. And and maybe feeling worse because then you had a week where you thought you had figured it out. Yeah. Right? Or that
1: like, oh, now I'm a failure, and you start adding uh, shame, and you spiral. Shame just causes us to spiral. Yeah on and on. Okay. Guys keeps you in the
0: same place, keeps
1: you in the same place. We have two more questions left. Jacob, we have one question for you and Josh, we have another question for you. Um, Jacob, we're going to have you go first. So Jacob, as a husband and father, what would you say to other married men or fathers about women and about women in order to close the gap a little bit more? What would you say to women? So how would you address it to men and how would you address it to women?
2: Man, I'm, I'll go back to something Pastor Troy said in a relationship series. And I think it's something it resonated with me and it hit the nail on the head. And that's the, you know, the devil operates in the gap between what you say you believe and what you show you believe, what you say and what you do.
0: Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. That's
2: in parenting. That's in relationship. That's across the board. Um, so I think to get back to anything, I think you need to take it back to God at the center because if you're, f- far away from your spouse, I'd venture to say your proximity to God isn't as close as it needs to be as well. Right. Yep. And so if you focus more on your proximity to God, and less of your proximity to your wife, you're going to draw closer to your wife because you're drawing closer to what should be the cornerstone and the source. And it takes the perspective off of the expectations on your wife and yourself because you only hold yourself accountable to God at that point. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so I think it, 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 Again, speaking from experience here, it can alleviate the stress or the burden of the journey ahead, rather than make it seem so unattainable that that it's not worth the fight, right? Yeah. Like, and it goes back to again being the bride and and serving our wife like Christ serves the church. Like, he died on the cross, not knowing if anyone was going to believe. Like, he went and did his job regardless. Right, and like you can ruin a relationship in one day. It might take six years to get it back. So, like in that six-year drought, is it worth it? Because yeah. to Jesus, it was. He died regardless. So, as a man, as a husband, as a leader, is it worth it? It should be because you're in a covenant relationship. The answer yeah. is yes. It's not. It's not rhetorical. The answer is yes. Like <laughs> it's worth it. Yeah, it's worth it because as bad as your marriage or relationship may seem now, to bring it back into proximity and under the the kingship of our Lord and Savior would finally be allowing your marriage to flourish in a way that you, the man who's not leading has personally snuffed out. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. and so again, what I'm learning and stuff is it's not fair. The burden on a man is, is harder than a woman. Sorry. You can, you can tweet me. You can email me Jacob at the chapel Casey. That's fine. (laughs) We can talk about it, but the burden (laughs) in society on a man is so much larger than a woman. Yeah, it is. It, it just is. Yeah. And so I think that makes it so much more crucial to have the right kind of spouse, the right godly spouse that you're called to, um, in those moments. So yeah, that, that would be my advice to men and women. Both would be to, to take it off yourself and to give it back to God. Don't focus on your spouse, focus on God, pray for your spouse, pray the same blessings over your spouse that you want for you. Don't pray for them to see it your way. Don't pray for them. Lord, they're just so mean, pray that you soften their heart whatever you're praying over yourself, pray it over your spouse. Cause you would only want the best for you. That's good. Yeah, so that's if so you good. don't know what to pray over your spouse, just change the name at the beginning. Don't pray it for you. Like whatever, yeah. you know what I mean? Like just start there, just start there. Um, but, but that would be my advice would be, you know, where's God in the picture? What role is he playing? Um, and then I think as adults, it goes back and I know Josh has said it multiple times, emotional maturity. Yeah. Your, your, your EQ. Um, you're both adults. You're in a relationship. You want this to work. You know, what needs to be done. You got to forgive. You got to talk about stuff. You got to not hold the past accountable. Like it takes two to tango, but for men don't base your ability to lead or your willingness to lead on the result or the expectation of your spouse. Steward, mm-hmm. steward it well. So good. So, so that's good. all I got so on good. that.
1: I love it. Okay. Love it. Good.
0: Um, one thing I wanted to say about that though, was like, it's, um, it's amazing how, when you say like, when you decide to shift your perspective and focus on God, like rather than focus so much on like your, whatever your issues are with your spouse, um, that was something really difficult. Like for me at one point to wrap my mind around, cause it was like, well, what good has that done me? You know, like, I mean. What do you mean by getting closer to God? What do I what do I have to do? What does that mean? Like, oh, so I've got to read some more scripture or oh, so I've got to do X, Y, Z. And it doesn't feel like it's changing. Mm-hmm. But then the next thing you know, at least for me, it was like the next thing you know, your interests start changing mm-hmm. and your attitude starts changing. And then I'm like, It's oh your my thought gosh. process,
2: right, Josh? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. This girl that wants the- this girl that wants to explode on everybody was like, I am now like, okay, Mm -hmm. I'm going to sit here and wonder what is wrong with this person today. Like Mm -hmm. it is not me. Like this is like, that was something that took a long time for me to figure Mm -hmm. that out because I would always, my, my go-to in the past was like, I'm going to respond rather than Mm -hmm. like honestly react or, or take in what is happening to me or what I'm being faced with at the time. And as
2: a husband, it's hard to not respond to the hurt you created. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, We've been in that where I demand respect and I want respect and I like haven't done anything to, to earn the respect, yeah. you know, and I'm big. It's crazy. Like in the professional world, you know, I, my title is account executive, right. But I'm in sales. And we had this conversation the office the other day, they were like, what do you care if we tell your customers salesman or account executive? I'm like, I really don't care. Just pass them to me. I got to earn the title. Like I'll earn That's their so trust. Good. I'll earn their trust and respect. Yeah. I, we'll see if they consider me that but it's crazy. Like as men we're driven, like to do that and provide and be leaders, but in the home, it's, it's kind of hard to, it can be hard to view it the same way. Like I'm your husband. I'm the man. Give me the respect. Mm -hmm. And and sometimes we forget that you got to earn it like constantly. If you're in a marriage or relationship, it's not a one-time thing. It is a constant pursuit Mm -hmm. of, of your spouse. Um, And and if you fall short of that, you can feel it. And then again, like I said, it's really, really easy. It's, really easy to respond to pain you've created, you know, and, and you can crap the bed in a day and it takes a couple to clean it up. So just, you know, (laughs) if you're willing, if you're willing to acknowledge you, you screwed up, be man enough to make it right. Yeah, Don't just apologize, but like make it right. Make it right. I
1: feel like to tag onto that as women, we can be so quick to like
2: disrespect too.
1: And like on the flip side, oh, the like the devil it's, knows it's what like, he's doing. Oh, he knows what he's doing. Women like, don't
2: feel love, Men don't feel respected. Yeah, and it's it's almost like, the same thing in every no, bad marriage. Absolutely. It, it comes down to love and respect. Yeah, and You don't love me enough to do what I ask. or You don't respect me enough to do what I ask. It's yeah, the same thing. It's the same. 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 So good. Sorry, I wasn't trying to cut you off. Maria. No, you're totally fine. Is, is
3: there, can I ask a question? Is there a leader in that process? Because the Bible is clear. It says, "Wives well, I submit to your husband. Mm-hmm. but it, And it says, loves your wife, even as Christ has loved the church. So I've always seen submission as a product
2: mm-hmm. of the oh, love of Christ. It's a byproduct of a safe space. Mm-hmm. Dude, yeah. I used to bug yeah. against
0: that so bad. Well, view, I,
2: oh, man. View it like going to church, right? It's not submission like you do whatever your husband says. But like when you're called to a church and you go to a church, you submit to the authority of the church. You may not always agree yeah. with the pastor. Yeah. There may be stuff you go to God when you get home afterwards and you check that scripture and you're like, all right, Holy yeah. Spirit, like reveal some things. It, it may be just like that at home with some decisions your husband makes. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that he says this, you do it because he said it. That's not submission. Submission can truly only take place in an environment that's fostered and built around love. Love. Yeah. Like the providing of the the man doing his role. If Christ didn't die, the whole church has nothing to stand on. If he did not do his part and lead, Um, it's all for naught.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think that sometimes we downplay as wives like the power of our prayers too. Mm -hmm. So in pray for your husband. Pray for your husbands' wives. Like pray for that man. Oh my gosh. Like Jacob was saying, like the burden that is on a man's shoulders, the burden that is on the man to lead your family to to do those things, that how vital um our prayers are and um i don't know i'm i'm not a man but i would assume that um any man could say that it is much easier to lead when you know someone is like praying for you supporting you um going to god on your behalf and knowing that you know despite yes not every decision someone's going to make is going to be exactly right or ex- like all those different things but i think sometimes as women we forget that like our role is, to, is powerful too. It's just very, very different in that how vital praying for our can, spouse is.
2: Can I read, <clears throat> excuse me, Ephesians 5, yes, 22 sure. real quick, just the I headline wives and husbands. Of course. Um, so this is Ephesians 5, 22 through 33. Um, and this is just to, you know, we've referred to these scriptures multiple times, I think. So just for anyone who may not know the reference behind it, this is what we're talking about kind of, you know, with the sacrificial love of, of being the bride of Christ. Um, so Ephesians five twenty two, wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord, because the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of the body. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it just as Christ does for the church, since we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This mystery is profound, but I am talking about Christ and the church. To sum up, each one of you is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. Love and respect. Love and good, respect. That's
4: good, mm-hmm.
0: Josh. A similar question, but um, do you have anything to add on to what Jacob was saying, but from the perspective of a single guy talking to other singles out there?
3: Um, I think it's it's pretty similar. Um, I think for me, it's just been, you know, the the pausing of, I would say, like a search for a wife and starting to seek the kingdom and search for God. I, I, I'm always taken back by um, Paul in First Corinthians 13. You know, it's the, the chapter where he talks about love.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So he says all these things about love, 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 love.
2: Favorite chapter and in then the Bible. The end,
3: it, it's amazing. At the end, Paul's like, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I behaved like a child. I thought like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Yeah. And I always thought it was interesting. I'm like, what does this have to do with anything that you were just talking about? (laughs) Because you're talking about all this love.
4: Like, come again? And
3: as I got older, I started to realize that really the maturation of a man is is rooted and grounded in the love of Christ. Amen. And let that shower your life. And in order to do that, you have to do what Jacob was talking about, have that proximity to the Lord. Yeah. So for us who are, who are searching, who are looking for certain things, whether it's man or woman, understanding that God adds things to you when you seek him. And mm-hmm. he adds the best things to you when you seek him. Mm-hmm. And so getting closer to him so that you can both experience and give the love of Christ, I think that is the, the fullness and the maturation. That a man specifically needs in order to be able to leave, especially from what Jake was just reading um, mm-hmm. in Ephesians 5, we see that. And so I would say to everyone who's out there, it's like, I, I can't wait. It's You know, I've been looking for this. I would say to draw closer to God, to seek the kingdom, because he will give you the desires of his heart and being in mm-hmm. his presence and being in this place is going to bring the most amazing things. It's going to bring the most amazing partner. It's going to bring everything that he has for you into your life. And specifically for, for the men, I would say, um, it, you know, it's time for us to really step up and be the man.
2: Yes. and Yes. Talk Re- about regardless of place. what you're hearing.
1: Yes. We want you to. 100%. <laughs> We've,
2: um,
3: We've not just missed the mark, but we've talked about being a leader so many times today. And what does that mean, though? How, how do we? How can we be a leader in our homes, in our families? And leaders, they cast a vision, and then they lead into that vision. And I, I can think in my in my own dating experience um, when when girls would say things to me like, "Who's leading this?" I feel like I'm leading. Where are we going? Because leaders know where they're going.
4: Yeah, oh, they're oh, always good. leading.
3: They're always mm-hmm. leading you somewhere. And that's what God is called. That's the burden that is, is on the man, is to be able to cast that vision and to lead in the direction that God is calling us to lead. And then on top of that, to be able to love, to be able to mm-hmm. support, to encourage. And last but not, certainly not least, be able to serve the mm-hmm. ones that you love. Yep. And so that would be my uh, commission to the young men specifically out there is to start walking in that, working on that, drawing closer to God because what he's going to bring into your life from it is probably going to be greater than what you thought it was going to be.
2: Yeah. Yeah. That's good. Now, Jesus was the lion and the lamb, right? Like not, Mm -hmm. you got to be a savage too. Like men, like you're called to be men, be a savage, like respectfully and in love, but it takes a man. It -hmm. takes a man. That was beautiful, dude. Mm, So good.
3: Well, you know what? it's, It's funny you say that because the power comes in the fact that you have the ability to be a monster, but you're not one.
2: Exactly. Yes. It's mm-hmm. the ability to control it. Back to back to emotional intelligence. All EQ. the women
0: said amen.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay. And it, yeah. Made, it made me think of the Hulk, where he's like, the like key is. I'm always angry, and then, well, I mean, not on the no, flip get, side, but exactly, like, you get what yeah. I'm saying, mm-hmm. though. Like when he's when he's talking to the Incredible Hulk, and then he's right. like, pop off at any, and moment. he is pop yeah. off at any moment, but he doesn't because he can
2: <laughs> because it's a righteous anger. Yeah, it's, it's founded in the right reasons. Yeah.
3: that that management is, is so important so it's it's key you know we have that ability but god gives us through the holy spirit the ability to control those things and to manage them and so that's what really gives us the power is to be able to walk in that control and we do that through god and the holy spirit
2: that's good so good so so good love
1: it Josh and Jacob, thank you guys both so much for being here and just sharing your hearts with us. We yeah, seriously greatly appreciate it. This was so fun. So fun.
2: Josh, I love you, bro. Awesome. Love you, man. It was good to talk love to you again. Bro. Thank you for the insight,
3: my brother. Thank you for having me. This was amazing. Agreed. Good. Agreed.
1: Love it guys. Be sure to check out our website at www.boldco.studio where you can learn more about us or stream episodes. If you don't already have a preferred platform that you use, you can email us with thoughts, questions, or comments, or if there's a topic you'd like for us to discuss at info at be sure to like and rate us on whatever streaming platform you found us on. And finally, give us a follow on Twitter at Bold Women Co. We are also on Instagram at Bold And finally, we are on YouTube at Bold Women podcast. So be sure to like and subscribe to our channel and hit that bell to get notified when new episodes get uploaded. Thank you all so much for joining us today. Josh and Jacob, thank you again. We will see you all next week. Bye.
2: Thank you all. Be blessed. Thank you.